Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. We were talking about, just before the show started, Peakless and I were discussing checks, as in the payment instrument that, I mean, I'm going to guess has gone the way of the dodo for most people. That is, I, I still have to write one check uh, occasionally, and I had gotten rid of all of them until I, I I bought a house. I was a renter, and so I didn't even have to write a rent check because my landlord had a uh, online thing, portal kind of thing that you you know put your email address in. It sends you, don't forget to pay your rent this month, you know, <laughs> reminder emails and stuff. Uh, but then I, I purchased property, so uh, <laughs> lo and behold, the uh, the water department in the, the little town here in New Hampshire uh, doesn't you know take credit cards or they do but they don't take ones that I they take like uh, I only have Mastercard now so they take like Visa and like Diners Club or something <laughs> <laughs> but you can't do anything online with it you have to go in to do it and so of course you know when they had particularly the governments during COVID they had no hours you couldn't go in anywhere everything was locked down unless you wanted to jump through a bazillion hoops and, you know, get jabbed in the arm with some unknown substances. Uh, and so the only way for me to pay the water bill was to write a check. So I'd, <laughs> I'd actually call up the bank and be like, hey, do you get, yeah, we still do that. The very first time I paid for studio time to record a band, I wrote a check on the business account and I was all super happy. I'm like, this is the first check that, you know, I felt like I was really in business. You know, this is the first check I'm writing for, like, recording time for a band. We're going to put out their album and all this kind of thing. And so uh, I do that, and I get home the next day, and there's a message on my answering machine. That's right. Ooh. No voicemail. Answering machine uh, with the tape and everything in it. Uh, I'll tell you about my customized greeting later. But um, The kind they only use for exposition in movies these days. <laughs> <laughs> it was the the guy from the studio saying, Hey, man, great session. Happy to have you. Um, Would you mind coming back by, you know, as soon as you can and actually signing the check? (laughs) (laughs) Well, good for him. Like, no, you're you're actually supposed to check that. You know? Pun not intended. I, you know, I was a novice at writing business checks. I didn't know a business check that they were, you know, that you had to sign them to. Mm. You know, I thought just having your business name. I didn't know. You know, I just opened an account at a bank and threw some money at it. And then... (laughs) My my quote business partner unquote. <laughs> he went on this run of ordering pizza using the business account checks for I don't know man like three maybe four weeks in a row hmm. before I finally like saw the statements. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, well, we can write it off on our taxes. I'm like, not if we're not making any money, we can't. An interesting uh, endorsement has come in for from for NH Exit, the New Hampshire Independence Movement, from now, an unexpected source. Did this source from an unexpected from unexpected source was <laughs> did did it did it come to you around? Oh, I don't know, maybe four score and seven years ago. <laughs> oh, you blew you blew the uh, <laughs> you blew the ending to the story here. So this is my understanding. I'm not positive that this quote comes from Abraham Lincoln. I read that it did, and I don't have good internet right now, so I can't verify it. You, you verify it for me if you wish. Uh, but uh, as I understand it, quote, any people anywhere being inclined and having the power have the right to rise up and shake off the existing government and form a new one that suits them better. This is a most sacred right, unquote. 
Well, being inclined and having the power. Well, if you have the power, it doesn't so much matter if you have the right. At least, uh, I mean, so this is coming from someone who outrightly proved, according to his own beliefs, that the South did not have the right to secede because they didn't have the power to do so. Yeah. And again, you guys have better Internet than me, so you might want to just check, you know, Google that. See if he really said that. But I, I, uh, my understanding is he said that in 1848, you know, and he was probably directing his concerns against other problems. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't really matter which state goes first as long as one does. I would love for New Hampshire to be the first. Uh, but I think that once one state declares themselves independent from the rest of the United States, that there will be more. I, I don't know how many more, if it will all just sort of be like, oh, well, we're in these pre-constructed geographic areas that people have drawn on maps. How convenient, you know? I don't know if it'll just happen that way or if, you know, other, you know, sort of unions will form out of that or whatever. But uh, it's just important to me that somebody goes first and they do it soon because the empire is definitely on the decline. And if you just look at the history of empires, you know that the place that we're at, the empire known as the United States of America, uh, bad things are on the horizon. Well, I'm really ambivalent as to whether or not we go first. Like, on the one hand, it would be a point of pride. On the other hand, there is likely to be a lot of backlash to whoever makes that move first, and that's not going to be fun. Um, Well, actually, not necessarily, Uh, especially especially if you're being pretty peaceful about it. Historically, the the ones that go first, the ones that go first are uh, are the safest. Uh, Slovenia did better than all the other former Yugoslav republics. Hmm. Estonia did better than all the other uh, uh, Soviet republics. I believe they were more or less first. I know that Ian's a big fan of activism and Keen and, you know, like civil disobedience and having the drinking game at, at the town hall and that kind of stuff and good fun for yucks. Mm-hmm. But I was wanting to know, like, how do you pick a molecule or a, a plant go to jail over because i think pot has been pretty much legalized more or less it's been decriminalized vastly in new hampshire and uh the one thing about denver out here we decriminalize psilocybinic mushrooms so the police won't you know they'll confiscate them and write you a ticket but they won't haul you off to jail right and so that's one difference and i thought well if i was going to pick a substance you know to go in front of the this keen city hall and just say you know I'm a free individual, and I'm going to peaceably put into my body this molecule right here or this plant or this mushroom and not bother anybody. And um, I don't know. That just seems to be (laughs) – I was was originally going to pick methamphetamine because methamphetamine is legal in all 50 states, but it's not widely prescribed. Mm-hmm. And I and uh, Ian suggested that mushrooms would probably have more benefit to people. And I thought MDMA was probably one of those, you know, if I had to pick a stimulant to go to jail over, MDMA would definitely be it. I'm stuck in this government hell where the medicines that actually work for me are all illegal. Like 345-trimethoxyphenethylamine, that's mescaline from the peyote plant. Mm-hmm. And I said, well... You know, the Indian shaman said, drink, drive them out, bad head spirits. And I'm like, wow, this is this is must be what they use to cure depression before Zoloft and before all these other, 
well, know, and, antidepressants. They must have used something like this. And the fact that it cures it rather than perpetually treating the symptoms is precisely why it is so difficult to, to uh, get these things decriminalized. I mean, they yeah, are making I, an I, unbelievable I, just boatload of money off of continuing to treat the symptoms of depression and anxiety and addiction and so on and so forth. Well, leave it to the government to criminalize Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. Yeah, and it's it's just so fundamentally counterintuitive, uh, counterintuitive to the way that people tend to see the world to criminalize something that naturally occurs. So I think you would definitely have uh, an easier time with that one. Well, that's what I've been thinking. I want to thank you guys for the advice, and I want you to keep up the good work. Air Force drone swarms, which it, it doesn't really sing, right? You know, it doesn't doesn't roll off. It doesn't roll off the tongue very well. Mm. Anyway, this from a publication called interestingengineering.com under the subheading of innovation. Britain's Royal Air Force chief says drone swarms are ready to overpower enemy defenses. The devices are ready for use in war. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't sound ominous. Oh, nothing terrifying about that. I mean, I I remember uh, fairly recently covering the first time that a uh, an A.I. killed a human being on its own. uh, And it was, in fact, a drone. And now we've got swarms of them. Swarms and swarms. Great. You know, that doesn't sound like, you know, a scene out of Terminator that they just didn't have uh, the budget to film. <sighs> so during the Global Air and Space Chiefs Conference 2022, that's a mouthful to say, that took place in London this week, Britain's Royal Air Force Chief Marshal Sir Mike Wigston said that the Air Force's experiments with drone swarms show they can now overpower enemy defenses, making them ready for use in war, according to Defense News. One possible upside down the line of this thing is that if we keep moving war further and further from human beings, then we might be able to just skip it altogether. Like, realize that, okay, in order to win this war, I would basically have to overcome not your forces, but your computer security. Mm. And since we can realize that on both sides, we'll just, you know, reach a point where, like, you know, we have a a new, uh, you know, a a new war accord because, like, for some weird reason, they, like, want to murder each other completely, but they're okay with doing it by a certain set of rules. Like, no, no serrated blades, no bayonets, uh, no, no chemicals. Uh, okay, well, maybe at some point we can just reach the point where we're like, okay, if you win, here's what you get. And if you lose, here's what you have to do. And we just have a, a point where we just attack each other's computer systems and whoever wins, wins. And then we don't have to do the whole, like, you know, death. This reminds me of uh, more useless terminology that comes out of militaries. War crimes. Mm. I mean, first of all, war is a crime. So anything else that happens, you know, within the context of war, also a crime. Well, that's the scam, isn't it? You were talking about the, the 3d printed drone that they, that they'd worked on. And it occurs to me that like, there's kind of a risk involved with using these things because like, 
you're going to get reverse engineered most likely. Like if you're in any kind of extended uh, engagement with someone like, okay, well, they're going to have one of these shot down at some point and they're going to analyze what it's made of, how it works. And uh, we live in a world of 3D printers. So mm-hmm. like who uh, beware military that sends this at people for you may soon have them sent back. I, I'm certain that, you know, there are more than one military with these things. Um, I I just don't know how humanity, what humanity needs to do to get away from just the idea that we need to be able to smother people with drones or, you know, heavy artillery or nuclear bombs or, you well, know, uh, there are better ways for settling disputes than murdering each other. I can tell you exactly what I think would do it. Stop government educating kids. Yeah. Like, it turns out, if you expose these sponge-brained little humans to a massive propaganda campaign for, like, a decade of their most absorbent years, then they tend to become, on average, uh, culty zealots for whatever propaganda you've just exposed them to. Hey, Daily Digest listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy, so I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin... Visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. I was asking when we talked earlier, is uh, Putin a war criminal and is Charles Barkley a scumbag? Is Putin a war criminal? Yes. Is Charles Barkley a scumbag? I haven't paid enough attention to know for sure whether yeah, one yeah. way or the other. He's thinking about, he's thinking about uh, joining that little tour as like some type of uh Golf expert. Anybody seen? Hey, anybody out there seeing Charles Barkley swing a golf club? Does that look like an expert to you? <laughs> he wants to be a golf expert analyst over there. And uh, I mean, is he say, is he good at golf? Do we know? I, I don't Are know. You get, hey, am I good at birthing babies? Possibly. I don't. Well, think I so. mean, did I just assume your gender? It wouldn't. It wouldn't be the first <laughs> uh, athlete, pro athlete, to be good at something other than whatever made them famous, right? There's all the time. There's NFL players who play golf and do tours and all that kind of stuff. Hold on. You're talking about him being a commentator on golf, right? Yeah. Well, I have, I have no reason to believe whatsoever that the, that the commentators on golf are themselves good at it. I mean, you can be a really effective commentator at golf and have no arms. Hey, look, I've seen him swing a golf club. There ain't no way in hell you'll ever be good at golf, okay? So I just uh, typed into my favorite search engine, uh, Charles Barkley, Republican, and what did I find? Hmm. Something interesting. Uh, This is from, what did I say it was, 2021 in April? Yeah, because usually uh, Jerome only calls in to complain about what the Republicans are up to. Yeah. uh, Especially Trump, but, you know, not always. And this time it was uh, it was a variation. So, yeah. so this from phillyvoice.com, April 4th, 2021. Charles Barkley rebukes politicians for 
trying to make whites and blacks not like each other. And I'm like, brilliant. I've been saying this for a long time. I mean, people keep talking about uh, the, the term systemic racism, right? Uh, they are trying to divide and conquer all of us so that they can maintain control. That's how they do it. That's how they maintain their control, by dividing and conquering. Yeah, they are trying very, very, very hard and have been for decades to make sure that black people and white people hate each other preferably enough in their opinion to go to war with each other that would suit them just fine this article says charles barkley gave a hitting critique of american politics on saturday accusing both republicans and democrats uh, the lawmakers of attempting to make whites and blacks not like each other you guys gave me a pretty good segue here talking about the government trying to sick a populace upon one another I have in my possession a copy of the Detroit Free Press from Sunday, April 20th, 1952. And the name of the article is How the Wily Reds Set Foe on Foe. A document said to have been found on a dead Russian secret police officer details communist methods of weakening opponents through terror. Published by the National... Okay. Anyway, it was a come off a dead Russian uh, secret police officer okay. detailing communist methods of weakening opponents to terror. Published by the National Committee National Committee for a Free Europe, New York, it was reportedly found on the officer's body found in Poland in 1948. What does it say? Got it from a cabinet minister of one of the Baltic nations swallowed by a Russian. There was a point in World War II when the Poles, who had not been too much disturbed by the Germans, refused to help the Soviet units and wanted to penetrate Germany, ger- penetrate German areas held in Poland. So the communists say that the document decided to make the Poles angry at the Germans. Yeah. They set up a unit to hit the Germans in such a way that the Germans put the blame on the Poles. They immediately turned on the Poles, shot some, sent others to concentration camps, burned farmhouses, and the Poles rose in anger against them. The document says the Red Army commanders used as a trick caused the German officers on battle lines to help stop desertion from the Red Army. Russian officers ordered their German prisoners terribly mistreated. This document continues. That produced an immediate contradiction and and the Germans instituted reprisals and began to shoot captured Soviet army enemy personnel. Desertion ceased. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. And then the doc- here's the last paragraph. The document warns that the communist terror must camouflage this action so that the blame falls on the enemy and meanwhile appears before the world as an advocate for peace. Something's going on in China. China? Yeah. With the. Uh, not the Chinest, but not China either. What's going on in China, Peakless? Uh, plenty, uh, but uh, in particular, what you wanted uh, to talk about yeah, yeah. here on the show tonight? Yeah. So uh, this, uh, so this story sort of got uh, mentioned very briefly last night, and uh, so. Oddly enough, last night, uh, I was, uh, you know, poking around and, like, I got this little alert and it's uh, Matt Taibbi saying, Jesus! And I'm like, okay, what makes Matt Taibbi go Jesus? And I went, Jesus! 
because I saw footage of just this massive column of tanks all the way down a street. And so I'm looking into this, and uh, and it's the uh, Henan uh, province had this trouble with their banks. And uh, then I saw, uh, you know, so I start poking around, looking into it, and someone else said, like, pointed out, hey, these aren't in Henan. And here's a caption here that says that these are actually in this other town. And uh, so I, I go into this thing. So now, now I know what the heck is this whole deal about. Okay. So, so here's the thing. Uh, so back in, uh, I think it was April 15th, uh, the, the bank in Henan province uh, had run into this problem. Now, now, the banks in China are notorious for corruption. Like there's just so many times where like they siphon this thing off into their own pocket. And, you know, when you've got like a billion people, it's kind of easy to get away with a lot of this stuff. I commented on social media somewhere about an article talking about this app and how their their color turned from green to to red Mm -hmm. mysteriously overnight or whatever Mm -hmm. so that they couldn't go to the protest Mm -hmm. right now. This is how stupid human beings are. These people have been convinced that their app changing color prevents them from going somewhere to protest. Well, and to some extent, they're right, because like you, you literally cannot pay to get on the train to go to the capital city if your app is still red. Sure. I understand that there are some mechanics behind that, but that doesn't prevent you from protesting. Right. What yeah. it does, what it does is it, it, mm. it puts up a roadblock, but it doesn't, uh, it's not insurmountable. Right. Uh, you can still walk, you can drive. There's, you know, horses, there's buggies. There's, well, they're not used know. to driving. I, I understand. I understand. Well, or I, thinking for themselves. And I don't know enough about, way. I don't know enough about this particular province, but imagine being so subdued, whether it's by technology or not, that you believe that you can't do anything about your situation because an app changed color. Yeah. That's the part that bothers me. These Chinese banks, or at least one of them, which... Banks and tanks. Yeah, banks and tanks. And uh, there's people who can't get their money out of their bank. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what can people do? Because if we see it happening somewhere, we know it's going to happen again. These governments... Generally speaking, do the monkey see monkey do if they find a way to oppress people and it works or a way to extract more wealth out of people and it works, then another government's going to try it somewhere. Uh, We know that inflation is a global phenomenon now, uh, and that is because of central banking. Mm -hmm. So we know that this is not just a localized thing here within the United States. Uh, It is happening uh, all all around the globe, as they say. And if central banking and uh, the kind of central banking that we have, fiat currency, rather than, you know, backing it with something, if that was not the norm throughout the world, then this country simply could not have gotten away with inflating the currency to the degree that we have. I mean, if you are competing in a fair market, you just can't get away with certain things because you'll get creamed, you'll get replaced. There is, for the first time, uh, non-governmental infrastructure, and, and that is cryptocurrency, Bitcoin specifically. Separating money and state is, in my opinion, more important 
than the separation of church and state. Mm. Now, we've already sort of gone through the separation of church and state as far as, you know, at least on paper is concerned. But why do I say separation of money and state is more important? Because it really, really, really takes the teeth out of the state. They can no longer take Mm. loans out against future generations of people and saddle future generations with debt they had nothing to do with in the first place. If you separate the money from the state, they have to then beg for every penny they get for things like defense, military spending, every year. If you saw the bill every year come to your house for how much money you are supposedly giving up uh, in, in, in debt as a result of the United States action, the wars would end tomorrow. Yeah, suddenly a lot of people would have the compassion to end the wars. Basically, people are ready for like a, uh, a, a 75 basis point hike. Mm-hmm. And I think that he will probably announce a full percentage point and very possibly announce a percentage and a half. Because so far, like, yeah, it's been small amounts, but he's been doubling it every time. So if he does continue that trend, he will take the entire market off guard. Uh, I mean, the amount is still small, but, like, they are not ready for that. It's not uh, what they call priced in. Mm-hmm. So if it's if it's a, if it's a large amount that he announces, then there's going to be a total freakout and at least a short-term crash in the stock market. So a big announcement. And if you're concerned that whatever money you're keeping in, you know, for example, the United States dollars, the USD, as we like to refer to it, uh, I like to call it uh, blood money. Yeah, we've heard that uh, phrase earlier today. Well, you know, it's uh, it's basically the war dollar is what it is. If you're concerned that you might lose it all or that your savings is going to take a hit or that uh, you're going to lose your retirement or you're just concerned that the banks aren't going to let you access your money when you need it. You earned it. It's your money. You should be able to access it whenever. There are alternatives for the first time. There are alternatives. I do want to talk about Dave Chappelle real quick. Uh, many of you probably are familiar that uh, his Netflix special, uh, his most recent Netflix special, uh, received some criticisms, and hmm. he faced uh, potential cancellation, which uh, Netflix, much to my surprise, said, uh, no, we're not going to cancel it. Uh, it is still the most watched comedy special of Netflix of all time. Right. He uh, also was uh, famously attacked to no avail to yes. the attacker. And so I don't want to talk about that. I, mm. I just want to remind everybody that, that he was almost canceled because of the backlash by cancel culture mm-hmm. uh, about some things that he said. Dave Chappelle is a very funny man. He recently was... I don't even know how to how to phrase this. Uh, he went to a an art school uh, to learn acting uh, before becoming a comedian. And the school that he went to wants to name their theater after Dave Chappelle. So it's a in Washington D.C. It's the Duke Ellington uh, School out there, and they wanted to name their theater the Dave Chappelle Theater at Duke Ellington. 
and that's kind of a prestigious thing. Yeah, you, know, you went to a school, you've you know achieved you know whatever it is you've achieved, and the school is like, hey, we need to recognize this person because you know, he came from this school. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.